0: Hey guys, welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Dr. Jerry. I'm Dr. Reed. And I'm Sergeant Joe. This week on The Pillars, we're talking about existential crises, basically a big fancy term for, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So come uh, hear about Joe, talk about how she wanted to be a veterinarian, and how I was going to be a Navy SEAL, and how Dr. Reed wanted to be a baker on this week's episode of The Pillars. So, Jerry. Tell
1: me, what did you want to be when you were younger?
0: This is kind of embarrassing, but I, at one point in time, wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Nice. Yeah. Say more.
2: <laughs> That's not what? embarrassing. What
0: happened? Oh, yeah, exactly. You really
2: let yourself go. Thank you. <laughs>
0: i yes, yes, I sure did. Well, um, it just something about the um, image that was portrayed Mm -hmm. in in society just really appealed to me. And, you know, just being a bad A and and being, you know, very physically fit and, um, you know, all the other things that go with being a military member serving our country, defending freedom. So uh, from a, from an early age, I mean, we're talking like 10, 11 years old, I started getting really into swimming, um, physical fitness. Um, at one point I was uh, swimming almost two miles a day. Wow. I was uh, running about 30 miles a week and I was doing all kinds of, um, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, mm. um, that kind of thing, just trying to get as fit as possible. My doctor actually had to, my pediatrician told me I had to stop because like, I was getting like stress fractures all over my body Dang. and just like, yeah. Um, but I was in really good shape and then my parents kind of uh, when they saw like how serious I was getting about this and like no kidding I was going to try to like uh, graduate high school and go join the Navy mm. they put a can- canks on that and said no if you're going to join the military you got to at least go to college first mm.
1: and so that kind of changed my whole whole direction we're kind of joking, like geez, Jerry, what happened to you? But like, right, yeah. I think we all know you to be a pretty high per, mm-hmm. high performing guy. So that story is not all that surprising. Joe, what about you? What did you want to be when you were little?
0: Uh, I
2: wanted to be a veterinarian, like probably 90% of young f- females. <laughs> um, and I just always have a connection with animals, loved them, worked with them. I brought every animal possible home. My parents were constantly putting up like found cat, found dog flyers, <laughs> right? Like. Mm-hmm. I never stole any pets out of anybody's backyard, but you would say it was probably pretty close. Like if I if I had a bleeding heart for a pet, I thought I could take care of it better than anybody. Hmm. Uh, so I really had that passion. But uh, when I got when I graduated, um, my parents had divorced, and college money just went out the window. Mm. And so my I have three older brothers. They had better options when my parents were together to go to college. So they got college. By the Time I got out of high school, there wasn't a lot of options. Uh, I never thought I'd ever be in the military. Didn't even take the ASVAB or anything in Mm. high school. Walked out, was like, I'm going to go do other stuff. And then about a year after, uh, I joined uh, the Air Force for college. Uh, I really wanted to do my four years, get my college, and then get into some med school to be a veterinarian. And I found my passion with mental health. I think I went from helping animals to helping people. Mm. Uh, And it's been awesome. I wouldn't have changed it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, you. I, I see a lot of parallels, um, and, and I think this, this question is important, and read your next, so be thinking about okay. how yeah. you answer it. But I think it's interesting because as we, we grow up and we start to you know pursue different avenues or life just comes in the way and excludes certain possibilities for us, um, we still try to pursue things that are in line with some of those values,
1: like helping other people. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. That's a good point. Yeah. So, Reid, what did you want to be?
1: Okay, guys, well, I don't think this will surprise anyone. Uh, uh, first, I wanted to be a baker. And that really only had anything to do with the fact that I love donuts. Uh, <laughs> and I could really see myself eating some donuts <laughs> throughout my life. Um, so that's kind of where initially I went. Um, but on a more serious note, I think uh, I, I really wanted to be an astronaut. And as a as a young kid, I was just completely preoccupied with Anything that had to do with space, planetary science, uh, hmm. and and so I had this uh, Jean jacket that um, that I would go around to air shows and collect patches, you know, oh, and so nice. I knew I knew vaguely that I would probably have to be a a pilot at some point, and so I collected these patches from all these different airframes and uh, I had an uncle uh, that was a defense contractor uh, out of Edwards Air Force Base and he would uh, send me all all kinds of stuff related. This is when the B-2 uh, Mm. had just come out and... uh, and, uh, and so he was sending me these patches, and I thought they were so cool. No one else knew anything about the B-2, but I had them on my black jean jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so I was this, this super dorky kid with all these patches on my jacket. But one day, Jerry, you were talking about going to your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. I went to my pediatrician, and I'll, I'll never forget, uh, he was asking me this question, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> 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 and he said, oh, well, good luck with that. Like. Oh. You're going to be way too tall, you mm-hmm. know, one, to be uh, a pilot. And that's a, a pretty typical uh, career path for for an astronaut is mm-hmm. to be on some kind of airframe. And uh, he's like, you, you would probably never fit into, like, the cockpit of the space shuttle. You're going to be too tall. And that's really all it took for me. And I was crushed. Oh, wow. Right? And so I don't know what I did exactly. But I went through this kind of uh, career crisis uh, and kind of went through a funk at a very young age trying to reform identity and trying to figure out what Mm -hmm. it is I want to do. And I think that's where this podcast is starting to go is, uh, you know, how do we formulate our identities, right? And whether that's occupational or personal. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we experience threats to that, whether that's a well-meaning pediatrician that, that, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. tells you, oh, you probably wouldn't be cut out for that. Or there may be other threats to your identity, uh, occupational or personal or otherwise in your life that you have to grapple with.
0: And that's exactly why we're talking about this, because we like to align our our identity with our our values, with our passions, Mm -hmm. and when those things, become disaligned for whatever reason, it causes this inner turmoil, mm-hmm. um, not just cognitive dissonance, but really like a spiritual kind of dissonance. Mm-hmm. And so if you, um, and I'm sure there are plenty many, many people out there going through a sort of existential crisis right now um, in their personal lives or even in their careers where they find that the direction their life is going or the way that their career is going is um, maybe not in alignment with where they thought they would be or where they they might currently want to be.
2: Yeah, definitely. There's nothing more exciting and damaging when you see your troop surpass you in career.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. And
2: that is something that was very difficult for me. I had a, you know, bright burner. I, I knew he was going to go all the way. And then he passed me and I was like, what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. You know, When you look at your EPRs, you try to figure out, I'm doing everything right there. You talk to your leadership, I'm doing everything right there. Uh, Made you
0: start to question yourself.
2: Definitely, Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're kind of like, okay, I'm this age, with this rank, Mm. at this point in my career, where do I go? And it's scary. It can be very overwhelming and scary.
0: And you're you're talking about kind of in a roundabout way two different things. You're talking about the expectations you have for yourself, Mm -hmm. but also the shoulds. Yep. The, the expectations that you perceive are coming from other people. Mm. And so it's it's almost like this um, tacit implication that you should have been able to promote mm-hmm. before this other person who came in, you know, later than you. Um, but you didn't do that. Therefore, you failed. You you yeah. made a mistake. You're not good enough. I know I'm putting words in your mouth. and yeah. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm being no. demeaning. But were these some of the thoughts that you had?
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also upset at myself, you mm-hmm. know, and so you don't want to show that to the member, you know, mm-hmm. when the member made mass sergeant yeah. know, or tech sergeant and you're sitting there and you're like, well, I'm a couple years into my rank already, you know, and you haven't really made the next one. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting internal dialogue that you really have to kind of sit and evaluate yourself. And I would say it was like kind of a mini, mini like midlife crisis situation. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a moment where I had to reflect with other peers.
1: I'm Absolutely. glad you said that word. Yeah, I think we'll pick up on midlife crisis, but it also occurs to me that this could happen for the person who's promoting as well, right? Like you mm-hmm. may have job satisfaction, doing what you're doing and I'll just pick on people working at the tactical level right now right you may be a technical expert Mm -hmm. and really enjoy what you do and enjoy the level of expertise and uh, and how people look to you in that role and now you promote maybe you're supervising more people it's a new role Mm -hmm. you've anticipated it you can maybe even be excited about it but you may experience some diminished job satisfaction as you fumble around trying to figure out, what is it that I do here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm used to being a little bit more in the weeds, but now I'm at working at this higher echelon, and I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. And you might notice that uh, you're not as practiced, you're not as mm-hmm. facile at, at your job as you used mm-hmm. to be, and it starts to eke out sideways in, in diminished job satisfaction. Maybe your relationships are impacted. And that might coincide with, you said, midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. That might coincide with a period of time in your life when a lot of things are on the table for you, identity wise, yeah. and you're trying to figure out who am I? And and
2: I? Yeah, and I say midlife crisis only is in the fact that we do t- age twice as vast. Mm-hmm. So in your 30s, <laughs> right, you can find yourself. In a situation. We can call it
0: mid-military career. There we go. How's that? I think yeah. that's probably more appropriate because in, in a lot of ways our military career, whether you do you know four years or 20 plus, um, you get to that midpoint and yeah. there, there can be like a dramatic shift. Mm. Like you're talking about assuming a managerial or a leadership type role where all of a sudden what you're doing now is Um, perhaps new and foreign to you. And it's not necessarily as rewarding as what you initially came in wanting to do, which is hopefully something more kind of aligned with your passion. Uh, But we see this in a lot of other areas of our lives as well. Um, I'm personally working with uh, a handful of folks who, um, are in their 20s and a few even in their their young 30s, mm-hmm. um, who feel like at this point in time, they should be married or they mm-hmm, should yeah. have a family and they feel like they're no closer to pursuing that goals. And so th- those goals and so they f- have a lot of shame and
1: a lot of guilt about mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. a lot of people, you do hear that in practice a lot where people will say, Um, Some of the sacrifices that they made uh, relative to their military experience just include putting other goals on on hold Mm -hmm. um, and not only for themselves but potentially for their family members, right, who are along for the ride a lot of the times and they experience some kind of thwarting uh, in their growth or they they can't experience it that way and a lot of this stuff comes up a lot of times around periods of transition. And and we were kind of joking. I think it just dawned on all of us here before we started recording that, uh, you know, we do work with a lot of people doing career counseling, career transition kind of stuff, especially as they're getting ready to leave military service. Mm -hmm. And and they're trying to figure out what is that next thing. Mm -hmm. And we're were kind of laughing because uh, that that course that's offered Mm -hmm. for transitioning members is called TAPS, right? Yeah. And we play TAPS at the end of a day, but also um, at funerals or at mm-hmm. you know memorial ceremonies, and mm-hmm. for a lot of people, uh, that end of their military career can feel as dramatic as a death. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the death of one kind of identity, That's right. and it can leave people just reeling. You know, what mm-hmm. is next? What what kind of Identity will I create for myself in the next chapter of my life
0: Yeah, that transition from sergeant so-and-so to Mm -hmm. you know Mrs. Mm So-and-so or from colonel so-and-so to mr. So-and-so it hits some people very hard hard. Especially if you came in like fresh out of high school a lot of your identity probably became wrapped up in uh, Who you were in the military? That became a part of who you are Mm -hmm. and in losing that, um, I think many people go through a sort of grieving process Mm -hmm. and they don't know necessarily who they are without that Mm -hmm. piece of their
1: identity. Mm -hmm.
2: And I think we've seen a lot of examples of how people deal with it.
1: I'm glad you brought that up, yeah.
2: Yeah, I've seen folks that they'll roll right back into a DOD contract, Absolutely. right? They want to stay in that family, yep. which is okay. You know, they come in as a contractor or GS. Mm-hmm. I've also seen folks that go completely opposite, and they start growing the beard, and mm-hmm. they start oh. taking a year of hiatus, or, you know. Or maybe know.
0: they find their new identity in, in some of these veterans groups. Yep, mm-hmm.
2: definitely. And there's no right or wrong, I think, is what we're, we're getting at. Right. It's really just are you projecting forward, and what is your identity?
1: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. There, there really is no right or wrong. People do this in a lot of different ways, and mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't want to be very prescriptive about it. But mm-hmm. um, based on our experience, you know, kind of collected around the table here, we, we probably have seen people coping with identity crisis, whether mm-hmm. that's a personal identity crisis, a work identity mm-hmm. crisis, or a midlife identity crisis. There are some stereotypical ways that we see people coping, like maybe they go out and buy that new sports car. Mm. um, What have you guys seen What works well for people, what tends to not work well?
0: Well, say some of the first signs of this are are, um, just a general sense of dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. with life, with your job, with relationships, um, and maybe a a lacking of motivation. You lose motivation and drive um, for the things that used to provide that for you. And uh, I think a lot of times these are, you know, little red flags that may symbol that uh, existential or identity crisis that's going on. I think when this happens, it's it's a good time for us to step back and kind yeah. of take stock of where we are, where we you know perhaps thought we would be or think we should be at that point in time, and then determine um, if there is some kind of course uh, recorrection that needs to take place. Mm-hmm. And sometimes this um, may involve some very big decisions. Sometimes it's, it's not. Sometimes it's making small little changes mm-hmm. or fulfilling um, you know perceived gaps in your life. Uh, or, or you know, pursuing things, um, certain areas of your life that you've been neglecting for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I, I love what you're saying because you're talking about a proactive approach yes. to kind of getting after this. I think what we tend to see a lot is that someone is going through this crisis, mm-hmm. and there's some thrash or flail going on. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe yeah. they got themselves into debt uh, buying a new sports car, or they started to look outside the relationship. You know, maybe perfect thinking perfect example. Uh, Maybe, maybe happiness or satisfaction will come in a new relationship partner for me and that mm-hmm. creates uh, problems with your current relationship partner. And so I think we tend to see a lot of the stuff walking through our office door at the point where there's now some problem associated mm-hmm. with some uh, adjustment issues related to these big life changes. So you're advocating for a more proactive yeah. approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think the first step is to be kind to yourself. Mm. You're recognizing that there's a... a out of alignment, yeah, right, and you are looking to seek to correct that, but that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, there's no guilt or shame, communicate it, seek help, reach out, really look at that support network, and then if it is a new sports car, talk to, you know, <laughs> budget, <laughs> finance, make a plan, make sure you can afford it, and then go pick it out. Yeah. But But do it not on a spontaneous, whim mm. thinking it's going to fulfill some type of void it might not be as well thought out
1: because i'm confident someone in the yeah. listening audience just heard sports car and went oh i just made the <laughs> yeah. biggest mistake of my life i mean
2: when you drive on base they're all <laughs> passing you we you have all the drive
1: cars. much better cars i'll just than check I do. out the that lemon lot
0: true.
2: Yeah. But,
0: but you're right there there can be a sort of call to action mm-hmm. um or when you're going through a tough time um you know, say a major life transition, you, you want to inject some goodness into your life, and so maybe it is buying that new car or, or starting a new relationship or something along those lines. All that to say, under high periods of stress or when you're experiencing some of those signs of, of an existential identity crisis, um, try not to impulsively make those major life decisions without careful reflection.
1: Joe, I really like what you said, uh, you know, reach out for help. And I know that we're big advocates for that. And, and when we say that, we don't always necessarily mean, you know, uh, go seek professional help. Mm-hmm. It may be that someone that is sitting right next to you um, has gone through something similar, and there's a wealth of resources and mentorship that's available uh, where wherever you are.
2: Talk to your significant other, reach out to your peers, your friends, and really just try to you know connect make sure that if you're in this boat and you're like hey i'm not where i thought i was going to be it's okay and reach out
1: i guarantee you're not alone yeah hey team we want to thank you again for tuning in to the pillars podcast of the 363rd isr wing hope you have a great day